Welcome to another episode of Practical CMO, where the goal is simple, to provide you with relevant, timely content on issues and opportunities related to marketing and sales performance. Host Mark Corona has managed these disciplines multiple times, and he'll also bring in some excellent subject matter experts, people who share his passion for continuous improvement, growth, and innovation. Got an interesting show today. We're going to be talking about failure to communicate its impacts on business growth, particularly revenues. And I've got as my guest today, guy I've known for about a year, Matt McKnight is the president and founder of McKnight Advisors, which is a sales acceleration partner. We team together often because uh, what uh, Matt does for sales, I do for marketing, which is fractional support. But Matt's emphasis is on helping customers launch, expand, improve their sales operations to accelerate revenue growth. So revenue is near and dear to him. Matt's got a 30-year history of sales leadership, spent uh, extensive experience and success with startups, private and public companies. His approach is based on accountability, transparency, integrity, and trust focusing on people, processes, and strategy to achieve sustained growth. So even from Matt's profile and and introduction, you can see that the words transparency, integrity, and trust are front and center, which is really the the essence of today's program. Matt, thanks for joining me today. We want to talk a little bit about the Paul Newman movie, Cool Hand Luke. And for those of you who might remember that movie, there's a very – visual uh, hard-boiled egg eating contest that's a part of that movie. But because this is a radio program, you're just going to have to reimagine that scene yourself. The iconic line, though, that we all remember after uh, several failed attempts to bring Luke in line comes from the prison warden who says, what we have here is a failure to communicate. And I'm not sure I've got his accent right, but it's a classic, classic movie line. And Matt, I think we would both agree that knowledge, open communications, and procrastination are highly linked to business performance. So having sort of hands-on and real-time knowledge of what's going on in your business can often be a challenge. You and I have seen that in various businesses that we've worked with. And having executive confidence and willingness to do something about what you've learned is often another challenge. So, Matt, when you and I first met, we quickly got on the topic of why do business owners and executives procrastinate in fixing their sales and marketing fundamentals? Those fundamentals absolutely required for growth. So in your experience, what role have you seen that a lack or inability to have authentic conversations has in creating barriers to growth and performance? Well, Mark, let me first start by saying it's a pleasure to be on your program. Yeah, and as you indicated, you and I previously talked about this, and as I shared with you, let me start with the same quote from a CEO client, which I think really summarizes the challenge. He told me, I cannot immediately forge ahead without the truth and the people to execute a sound go-to-market plan. And again, as you and I have talked about, I think that quote underscores multiple issues. First, the CEO, as many as I encounter, was confident that accelerated revenue growth was possible, you know, very confident, but he was frustrated. He was very frustrated not being able to create or implement a plan based on the real facts of his business. Frankly, just simply was not sharing the needed information, but to their defense, I have to add, I mean, they did not know how to diagnose or create the needed solutions and plans. 
And on top of that, besides not knowing the facts in the real current state of the marketing and sales organization, the CEO and his team, they just didn't have the experience to create that holistic, practical, yet bold go-to-market plan, which could be executed immediately. You and I have talked about this in the past again. A go-to-market plan based on not just a piece of paper based on theory, but real action items with real deadlines with real accountability. You know, and second, and this is rather obvious, but without that authentic information, without that objective go-to-market plan, and correspondingly, that reliable revenue engine, you know, he knew his business was destined to stagnate or fail. I'd have to say I've seen that situation many times as well, Matt. Having run sales and marketing organizations and having been the CEO of several businesses uh, as well, what I've seen as barriers to authentic conversations have been things like, uh, I, I call one truth in politics, right? I hear business owners say, you know, I'm the owner. Why don't I get the real facts? And some days when I was in that position, that executive role, I felt like Sergeant Joe Friday in the old 1950s Dragnet TV series, right? He'd approach the scene of a crime and he'd say, just the fact, man. And he was just looking for data that he could start to understand and analyze. But then there's that issue of authenticity and communication. And we believe that honesty is an important quality for genuine leadership. And as an executive, one should model and expect honesty back from your team. Without that kind of open discussion and debate to establish what the truth is regarding the current state of sales and marketing, it's almost impossible to create a solid go-to-market plan and a company-wide commitment and alignment. So without the truth, it just seems to me it's understandable why some executives procrastinate and don't act. They just don't have the confidence to act. Yeah, Mark, I couldn't agree more. You know, and expand on your comment, and in the spirit of Joe Friday, just the facts, right? It's the job of an executive, and I might add his team as well, right, is to model openness, ensuring the real business results and the news with the entire team, both up and down, right? And of course, we're all more comfortable sharing the positive developments and results. Remember, and I always tell this to my clients, your entire staff are professionals too, right? They deserve the relevant facts as much as you do, and you have to trust that when you explain challenging news and updates, honestly, talk about the implications and the recommendations, you've really given them the chance to come on board and then work together as a team to address these issues as a complete team. There seems to be one issue, Matt, or one area that continues to be a challenge, and that's discussing actual sales and profit numbers with the staff. And I, I found that particularly true in privately held companies. I've been in companies where they really don't want to talk about anything related to financial performance, but that doesn't really help employees and the staff sort of rally around and understand kind of the current situation where their opportunities are. I found that you could still talk about trends, percentages, rates of change without using explicit numbers. I think that still demonstrates trust in your staff, Matt. Have you seen that? Has that been a problem for you or any of your clients? Yes, definitely, Mark. Yeah, it goes back to what we've been talking about here. What we have here is a failure to communicate. And as I've told numerous clients, and this happens all too often, you know, hallway conversations alone do not suffice. Many think they do, they don't. I think a CEO and his company leadership and each of the respective teams, right, need to have team meeting cadence to have those necessary and the open discussions on results, goals, and challenges of the company, you know, and that means leadership needs to be very direct at times, right, but also vulnerable at others, right, and that can be very difficult for all of us to be, you know, to display that vulnerability and really ask for the help 
from your team to rally behind you to achieve those company goals. Now, having said that, and to address your point about privately held companies and about the trends in specific percentages, I know that can be rather challenging at times depending on the company and how many specifics you want to share. But in my opinion, it's better to share as much specific sales and profit numbers as possible. I really think that enables leadership to establish accountability at a very granular and quantifiable level. And which in sales should be straightforward since it's one of the most quantifiable roles in a company. Totally agree. Hey, let's shift gears a little bit and see if we can get into why people procrastinate. Let's see if we can get to the sort of underlying root causes of procrastination. I think we agree that a failure to use real information and decision making will cause constant delays, which in turn defer revenues, lower revenues, creates aggravation, lowers productivity in sales and marketing. It sort of lowers the heartbeat of the business, which is often necessary to move ahead um, with an accelerated uh, revenue plan. I think sometimes a delay is rooted in bigger picture challenges as well as personal behaviors. What's your perception behind a bias for inaction? Because we can talk about a bias for action, but sometimes I think we identify a bias for inaction, Matt. Yeah, Mark, I think that bias for inaction, I think it's embodied, you know, in a question and which are, frankly, I ask my clients to ask themselves, right? I I tell them it's time to look into the mirror and ask, do you want to lead your sales and marketing teams? And equally important, do you have the time to dig into and manage all the details, which ultimately also reveal the facts, right? As we talked about, all business owners want to grow their business, right? But is it realistic to think you really have the time to discover all the truths, and I might add both quantitative and qualitative, that empowers yourself and your teams to create and execute you know, a comprehensive sales and marketing plan. This is what I run into all the time. A business owner is just wearing too many hats. His or her bandwidth is already spread thin. Managing daily sales and marketing operations is just not realistic. They need to be focused on being the strategic leader and visionary for the business, not the daily activities of sales, which takes that daily management actually to make sure that there's the discipline, accountability, and transparency that you need. Well, Matt, so far we've talked about sort of the context behind inaction, procrastination, uh, how uh, lack of good data for decision-making really constrains business growth and successful uh, revenue and, and marketing planning. We promised our listeners practical guidance on structuring authentic conversations. I think it's time for each of us to share a brief case study or two where uh, we can diagnose challenges and maybe even demonstrate some successful achievements. We're overcoming some of these, uh, the inertia of poor communications. How about you take the first one? Yeah, sure, Mark. Let me give you a little bit of background first on this uh, case study. And I'll get into some objective conversations we've been discussing. In this situation, I was engaged as the interim VP of sales with a private company. And this uh, company is a classic example of overextension. It's very reflective of many clients across industries that, uh, you know, my company encounters every week. In this case, CEO had 11 direct reports. And they span finance, U.S., international operations, HR, and not to mention so sales and marketing too. And after repeatedly missing revenue targets over literally several years, it was going up and down the revenue. It was no predictability whatsoever. And also realized, you know, marketing was becoming, and I'm using their words here, a black hole with increasing expenses, no measurable results. You know, the CEO acknowledged he really didn't have the time 
the, the information or the team to fix problems, right? He knew it was time for organizational transparency, needed an intense focus on sales and marketing. He needed experienced help to overcome the procrastination, the delays, and to help create that aggressive and realistic go-to-market plan to both integrate marketing and sales and have the process and the sustained execution. Going to the practical guidance, as you mentioned, let me just give you a few examples of some objective questions. And these are just a few, right? There could be dozens, if not more here, right? To help spur some authentic conversations. But most would be surprised at how small, medium-sized companies sometimes do not even ask themselves these questions. For example, you know, do you know the exact nature of your revenue, each of your customer, how they contribute to the top line? Do you have a new business focus? And is that new business focused by account, by title? Do you have specific territory plans for your salespeople? This is one, Mark, you and I talk about all the time about the value proposition, right? Is it internally oriented, which a lot of times is very symptomatic on their website, right? It's all about them. It's not about you from a customer's perspective. And then it's not consistent across marketing and sales, which you have to ask yourself that question as well. Also, are your salespeople executing in a disciplined, productive way? Again, I could go on and on here. I mean, there are many questions, but these are a series of questions that a company really needs to ask themselves to spur those kind of needed conversations to get to the real information. In this case study, there was also a delayed and very critical engineering project for a new product that was causing much pain. That was meant for a new revenue stream for the company. And after missing two previous commitments for completion date, the VP of development had yet made a third commitment. And guess what? They missed that, right? And I mention this because once again, it's an example of the politics and personal agenda is really a triumph, right? Over getting to the real truth. So to address all of these issues, and once we did address them, which took you know several months to get it back on track, the company's results went from stagnant sales to 23% growth in year one. And this year, you know, they're tracking for about the 32 to 34% range of revenue growth this year. Wow, that's great. But at, at uh, you know, the, the three uh, delays in product launch, let me see if I can trump that a little bit with my, my own personal <laughs> case study. Because as a marketing executive and technology companies in particular, I've been in that position where I was promised the new product by Friday and it took two months or two years to actually show up after that, right? But let me give you a case study from when I joined a company as the chief operating officer some years ago. I uh, was just getting started meeting my staff and the CEO said, hey, you know, would you mind looking into the 12 projects that I think we're working on today? And like, okay, I'm happy to do that, right? Be a good way to sort of get into the business in a quick way. And I learned that on my staff, I actually had a project manager. So I tracked him down and I said, Jeff, you know, is there, uh, would it be possible for you and I to sit down and look at a project stoplight chart? And he was really enthusiastic. And he said, yeah, I'd love to do that. No one's ever asked me for one of those before. So well, how soon could we do that? And he goes, well, how about tomorrow morning? Hey, that's all good, right? So next morning, sat down and Jeff had a stoplight chart prepared and we started reviewing the background of the first project on the list, and Jeff said, I marked this project green. Its status is really probably red. And I said, well, when did you print this report off? He goes, well, this morning. And I said, well, if it's green, it says green here, but why would it be red? I said, you know, I just don't understand that. He, his response was, well, you know, it was supposed to start six months ago, and it hasn't started yet. Unfortunately, that was just an opening conversation 
which is very similar for the next 11 projects on the list, actually none of which was on time, on scope, or on budget. Now, those projects had a combined revenue value to the business of about $20 million, which was 50% of their annual corporate revenues. I wasn't too happy about what I found, but I knew that I had to share this with the CEO, and we sat down, and CEO didn't seem surprised or shocked at all. And, you know, I kept hearing Ronald Reagan's Cold War words in my head, trust but verify, right? But famous, uh, pretty famous for that. Think about 50% of your revenue is at risk because you think that there's forward progress being made and you find out that nothing is actually going on. That's a pretty dramatic situation, but I think it's a, it's, it just shows how powerful understanding, getting inside the business, understanding where projects are really at, and then verifying the progress yourself is often very important. If that was the only case study that was like that, I'd say, well, okay, but unfortunately for me, I learned that from one IT exec I worked with that I said, well, when's the final project going to be ready or the final product? Like, well, here's the date, right? But I didn't know that there was a final, final, and a final, final, final before the product was actually ready to go to market, right? Well, you fooled me once, but you fooled me three times on that one, right? Because I wouldn't have guessed that there was a final, final, final. We're big on the trust, but verify. Do you have another brief case study you want to share with our audience today? Yeah, Mark, yeah, your trust, but verify, yeah, wise words indeed, right? It leads me to another, and this is a rather specific example, and it involves sales calls, right? But I think it really underscores, first, you need to know what to verify, right? And in this case, it was a client. It was an owner, had numerous salespeople and subject matter experts in the software industry. And they were constantly busy spending the company's money, you know, traveling on sales call. And it sounds good. Like you indicated, Mark, all lights were green, right? But the CEO thought it was going well. But, you know, why wasn't revenue increasing, right? The team knew their stuff. But in reality, they were out there just talking too much and called on anyone who would listen. What they needed was a disciplined sales process that could be trusted, but also verified at each of the key milestones and was definitely needed, needed to be one that was focused the right resources on the right accounts, calling on the right titles, and incorporated the basic solution selling skills, right, to identify the client's pains and the projects that are applicable to the company's growth objectives. Let me address a couple of questions to our listeners today to see if um, they're picking up on some of the key points. One question I would ask our audience is, do you have authentic conversations in your business today? And are you the kind of business leader who communicates and expects to be communicated to? And then do you trust you have those conversations in a trusted manner so people can be open and speak with integrity? And then let's talk about how that translates into performance. As an executive, how close are you to your sales and marketing data and metrics? You know, what's your business's track record of successful growth? Matt, you and I are both change agents dedicating our time and fact-finding experience to helping companies create new, stronger plans, new, stronger go-to-market plans, as well as improving communication. So why do you think a fractional resource can often do that better? Mark, I really do think as that external, quote, unbiased change agent, right, the fractional sales or marketing leader, right, can discover the facts without countering the historical hindrances and the personal relationships that often act as obstacles to open communication. 
I mean, in all my engagements, it's fairly common that people will share things with this external fractional change agent that they won't share some time with peers, right, to get to that real information that is a hindrance failure to communicate. And I think as fractional resources, we can make an immediate impact by discovering the facts, helping build that comprehensive go-forward plan we've talked about, you know, and assisting the company to support the new plan to accelerate revenue growth. Again, let me underscore, I mean, I think the core nature of the fractional role avoids many of the inherent problems associated with poor communication, poor information, and personal politics. So let me just put a wrap around today's program by offering a few closing points. I think what we're saying is if you find that you're challenged by poor facts, poor communications, knowledge gaps which really prevent or inhibit your decision making, there are alternatives to step in and help you get to the bottom of that data that you really need to make good decisions to move your company forward. Matt, I appreciate your joining me today. Let's give our listeners our contact information if they have questions or want to pursue a follow-on conversation with us. How can, um, how can our listeners reach you? Mark, they can reach me. My phone number, please feel free to call or text 847-867-5963. Email is mcknight, M-M-C-K-N-I-G-H-T at salesacceleration.com. Again, Mark, thank you for having me on your program. Well, hey, thanks for joining me today. I think this is a, a very timely topic as companies look to build strong revenue plans in the face of perhaps a, uh, a challenging market in 2020. So appreciate your insights, Matt. Thanks again. By the way, if you like to reach me, Mark Corona, you can reach me at 612-554-0081. And my email is mcorona, that's M. C-O-R-O-N-N-A at chiefoutsiders.com. 